So, welcome to Ronin Rescue Cast, podcast number six. We're at six already. Today we're going to be chatting about breaking gear. We went down to CMC and we broke some stuff, tested it. We're going to share those results with you. Oh, did you miss me? Welcome to the Ronin Rescue Cast. We're pleased to have you. Ronin's comprised of a bunch of slightly deranged individuals that wander the globe in search of that elusive rescue unicorn. We compete, we train, we do rescue work. We're looking for that end-all, be-all system. You know, the one, the one that's going to do everything for you. We haven't found it yet, but we found a bunch of interesting things along the way, and we just wanted to share that with all of you out there. So, breaking gear. First of all, just like to thank the folks down at CMC Rescue for allowing us to go down there and do some breaking of stuff. I just want to throw out a couple grains of salt before we get too far into this. This is a lot of off-label use, as my German friend likes to say, i.e. this is not stuff that the manufacturer necessarily recommended to do with their gear. So just keep that in mind. Now, because we were only down there a day and a half, these tests were usually single events only. In order to get a true scientific perspective without liars and means, we would have to do you know, hundreds of these tests. And this is just designed to get us as Ronan thinking about some different things with rigging and maybe some different devices moving forward. Once again, for scientific results, this would have to be replicated multiple times. The numbers were obtained in pounds force and then converted to kilonewtons. We're down in the States, so we're using pounds and then doing the conversion on them after. And the numbers obtained were only for a snapshot in time of a certain system. Rigged differently, pulled upon differently, acted upon differently, you're going to get different results. This is just a specific piece of time, a snapshot of that time. So we started with our austere rigging gear, as we call it. And what this basically consists of is aid gear primarily that we will use to rig when we have limited anchor options, especially inside of confined spaces where we're doing short vertical sections or long horizontal sections where we may not need a full 5,000 or 22 kilonewton anchor. So the goal of the test was to determine how many devices we should use if we're making multi-point anchors out of these types of devices and how they react to the stresses put on them. Now, when we started, we chatted with people like Black Diamond. They stated body weight only on their devices. Petzl, maximum two kilonewtons. And these are devices such as Fifi hooks or peckers or talons, these types of devices. We tested camp gear to failure or Cassian camp gear in order to fail it and see where it broke. Now, to start with the Fifi hooks, we use both aluminum and steel Fifi hooks in the actual testing. We first put a Fifi hook on a half-inch steel carabiner. Aluminum Fifi hook, pulled it to failure, just a straight pull. It broke at 3.88 kilonewtons, which definitely looks at the whole, hey, you know what, two kilonewtons are body weight. You throw in a bit of a safety factor. It's probably what we're looking at for that. But needless to say, we weren't done there. So we took a second Fifi hook, a steel hook. That was an aluminum one to start. Same test. Put it over your stainless steel carabiner, your big SMCs. Pulled it to fail. Came out with 7.27 kilonewtons. So just on 
you know, first glance, the steel hooks are almost two times as strong as the aluminum hooks. Once again, grain of salt on these. These are single tests. They weren't repeated a lot. So both Fifi hooks broke in the same or similar spots, and both hooks went from an opening around 0.56 of an inch to 0.91 of an inch. So they both gained about 0.4 of an inch on the opening before they broke. And that was the same with all of the hooks, no matter how we pulled them, whether we pulled them on the nose, whether we pulled them onto a beaner or whatnot, they all broke after opening about 0.4 and they all broke in a very similar spot. Now that spot is about halfway up the hooks, just a little more towards the nose of halfway up the hooks. For the third Fifi hook, we decided we were going to try to hook the nose onto a three-quarter inch uni strut. It was a steel Fifi hook. Fifi hook broke at 2.94 kilonewtons. Once again, opened up to about 0.9 of an inch before it broke. And as we notice on this, using the tip of the hook took almost a third of the strength away than pulling on the interior of the hook. Once again, though, we're above that two kilonewtons that Petzl had suggested for Fifi hooks being, you know, what you shouldn't be exceeding. The last one, we took a Fifi hook and we thought, hey, let's change it up a little bit here. We girthed it onto some six millimeter cordage, hooked the hook to the cordage, not to the strut. Basically used it, uh, you know, wrap the cordage and then use the hook in order to hold it. Fifi hook broke at 7.75 kN. Once again, what you're looking at here is we're talking back almost to the full strength of that hook. Um, but here, the hook failed at the eyelet. So it's the only one that was a little bit different. It pulled out of the eyelet at about 7.75 kilonewtons. So just something different there. Generally, though, what we're looking at is when we're using Fifi hooks for austere anchors, we're looking at using steel hooks. We're assumed no more than five kilonewtons at the midpoint of the hook and no more than two kilonewtons at the tip on a steel Fifi hook. So when we're rigging those, figure out what kind of safety factor you would like and just do the math. We also tested a couple of other pieces and these are just one-offs now. We tested an iron hawk. Looks sort of along the lines of a pecker for people that are used to that. Uh, it stayed as one piece. We just did a slow pull on it. Stayed as one piece, but it did fail at about 11.12 kilonewtons. You know, it's a solid piece of steel or metal. Um, expected to get some high forces out of that, and we did. We then used a captain hook, or as what Cassian calls the captain hook. Looks similar to your talon, if you're familiar with those types of devices. It was rigged with 6 millimeter cordage through the hole. It bent open at 2.58 kilonewtons. Sorry, 2.58 kilonewtons. I never failed, just bent into the open position. Once again, kind of comes out with the same thing. When we're anchoring, assume a 2 kilonewton breaking strength on any of these devices, unless you're hooking a steel Fifi hook in the middle, and then you can assume up to about a 5 kilonewton. With the caveat, this is a one-time test. We then pulled out some clove hitches. We were looking at both the Euro style and the North American style of tying clove hitches. The North American style being tying the clove hitch, wrapping the tail of the clove hitch around the object, 
putting your overhand, in our case we used a double overhand safety, into the line. In Europe we noticed, and so we're calling it the Euro way, folks tying clove hitches and instead of wrapping around the object, bringing it back against the knot, then tying their overhand safety on it there. Now, I shouldn't just say this is North American in Europe. I've talked to some people in Germany since that do tie their clove hitches the same way we do by wrapping it back around the object. And I have talked to fire departments now in Canada that are bringing it back against itself, much like we saw in Europe. So as an instructor, this brings up an interesting point. Is one safer than the other? So we thought we would pull it. We tied both these cloves around a four-inch bullard with 11 millimeter KM3 rope. Both cloves had a double overhand safety in them. When we pulled the North American clove, um, when we look at the testing results, it slipped around the 6,000 pound force mark um, or around the 26.69 kilonewton mark and then cinched back on the bullard and then it actually came up and broke right above the 8,000 pound mark. So that was an interesting thing. It was almost full strength of the rope in that case. We were around a four inch bullard. So, you know, no big surprises, I guess, there by getting the full strength of the rope. With the Euro clove hitch, there was no slippage in it, but it did break around 7,600 pounds at about 33.81 kilonewtons. So there appears to both of these that it broke in the same spot where the hitch and the overhand knot kind of meet. They both slid and ended up catching on that overhand knot and ended up breaking where that knot was. There was more damage, however, on the Euro style, where it's coming back on itself, where the rope crossed over back on itself. There was definitely more damage to the rope there. The Euro style, where it comes back on itself, did not slip, though. And once again, that could just this could be an outlier. It could be a one-off on the test. We don't know. But it did seem that the North American style, where we're wrapping it around, had a tendency to cinch back onto itself and tighten down, where that Euro style, where it is against itself, seemed to cinch uh, tight on itself right from the word go. Now, what does this mean? So we've got about a three kilonewton difference between these two knots. Now, statistically, that's nothing. That's less than 10% on these two knots and the way they were tested. Now once again, this could be the outliers on both, this may not be the averages on both, but based on just these couple of pulls that we did on each knot, statistically this, you know, three kilonewtons, 10% is almost insignificant. With the amount of error that you see generally in testing equipment, I mean, heck, rope itself is allowed to have 0.5 of a millimeter in either direction. So your 12.5 could be anywhere between 11 to 13 millimeter rope and fall within specification by the manufacturer, which would change this test by 10% alone. Once again, we use the same rope, KM3 11 millimeter on this, so that is taken out of that factor. 
But just based on the quick tests we did, it doesn't seem to be that much of a difference between this. Yes, the Euro style in our test failed early, but not at a significantly uh, large enough difference in strength that I would consider one safer or less safe. We then went on to test some Grigri's. Grigri's are getting used a lot now in microsystems, especially with your nine, nine and a half millimeter rope. Uh, Camp has a Druid Pro out that starts at 9.9. However, in talking with the camp reps, they have started looking at using them with smaller diameter rope. Once again, it's an off-label use. But we could get a lot of information with Grigri's on dynamic rope. Couldn't find a lot on static. So we said, skip it. Let's give it a whirl. We tried this both on 9mm KM3 and 11mm KM3 rope. We did some slow pulls. We did a Blakomsey drop test on it. And we did some twin tension rope drop tests on it just to see what was happening or how it would react. Now we started with the Grigri on a 9.5 millimeter rope. Like I said, KM3. It was slow pulled until failure. The device slipped at around 7.37 kilonewtons and it desheathed the rope about 8 seconds after slipping. I'm saying it again, this is off-label use, and once again, it's a single event test. So, but in looking at this, it does slip on the nine and a half. It does slip at a, you know, 7.37 kilonewtons is a, a respectable number on that, especially considering this is a single person device. And yeah, eight seconds isn't a ton of time, but it did slip before it started going into something catastrophic. One thing we did note, uh, the rope did bunch up on the backside of the Grigri. When you looked at the rope between the part where it broke and the part where it was backed up, there is an increase of thickness by at least a couple of millimeters where that sheath started bunching prior to that, uh, that desheathing occurring. In regards to the actual test, looking at the graph, when you see these, if you've seen them before, it's basically a time-force graph with your x-axis being time, your y-axis being force. It, you know, graph that goes up and eventually it drops off when it breaks. There's really nothing significant on this graph. Um, you know, there's a couple spots where it's slipped, but we're talking slips of maybe 75 pounds force um, where it caught again. Nothing that would be statistically significant. So then we performed the same test, the slow pull test, NFPA machine on it, with 11 millimeter KM3 rope in the Grigri. Once again, this is the top end of what this Grigri will use. So the rope desheathed first, and then the device broke. It broke at about 10.64 kilonewtons, and did not slip. It would not slip on the 11 mil in the test that we did. The rope basically desheathed and then almost immediately thereafter like with very little time um, on the graph it was into the the point seconds broke uh, when I say the device broke it actually took the handle and that piece of the cam and snapped it right off of the device and flung it across the testing uh, lab, the testing facilities. So it actually broke the device into pieces. Uh, we still had a device, but it had ripped that back piece out and that cam straight out of that device. The rope was certainly uh, desheathed and was ripped out some of the 
actual um, fibers inside, so not just the sheath or the mantle, but also affected some of the kern. And once again, there was very little time, like points of a second between the failure of the sheath and the destruction of the device. From there, we said, okay, let's go take a look at some more. Let's start looking at some drop tests. Now, to make it realistic on what we were doing, we wanted to take a look at both the twin tension rope system or your TTRS test. And how we did that is we picked up half the load on the winch side with the removable link. So then that we had, and we cheated a little heavy on one so that we got a little bit of a, a bigger hit. We wanted to break stuff, let's be honest. Um, but we wanted to share the load enough to consider it, you know, that we're doing a twin tension system. That's how we're running the Grigri's with our small diameter or micro systems. We're running them either on the 9.5 Sterling or your 9.5 HTP. And we're running it in a TTRS system with Grigri 2s. And this story was Grigri 2s that were tested, not the original Grigri's and not the new ones. We used static 9.5, the KM3, the 11. We also did a dynamic test just for fun. And one of the things that are the TTRS tests or the twin tension rope drops that we did, we've got some very similar results as what Kirk Mothner did with the PEP study, the, uh, the NIF grant that he got in regards to your jolt systems. So that was kind of interesting. It kind of verified that we weren't totally out to lunch on what we were doing here. The jolts that we saw were between two to two and a half times the weight seen, which was pretty much, you know, uh, what was going on. All tests were done with a two kilonewton load. So we were putting drop tests onto a Grigri with 2KN, which is certainly outside of the manufacturer's recommendation. This is a single person device. And we conducted one belay competency drop test method. That's a one meter drop on three meters of rope into service. Because at the end of it, we figured, hey, you know, let's see if we can break something. So the first test we did was a jolt test, was the TTRS. And we decided to do maximum dynamic rope, 11 millimeter maximum dynamic rope. So we took up some of the load. We didn't try for exactly half, like I said. We cheated a bit more. So in this case, there was 170 puff. 175 pounds of force on the rope and 265 pounds on the winch. So when we drop the link out of the winch, we're basically dropping 265 pounds out of the 440 or 2KN load back into that rope. So we're getting our twin tension, we're sharing the load. And we recorded about 2.48 kilonewtons, 550 eight pounds of force. 2.48 KN was recorded on the anchor Grigri rope with that twin tension system and that drop. So it's certainly interesting that, you know, we're getting those types of forces, uh, two and a half KN generally onto the Grigri. Grigri held no problem. It was usable after, lowered the system to the ground off it. And from like your excitement point of view, it was about as dull as watching paint dry. It, it dropped, it did nothing spectacular, and everybody went, wow, that, that wasn't very fun. Um, the 2.5 KN, though, remember this was an 11 millimeter maximum dynamic rope that we tested on. Now, when we look at these types of tests, if you've seen them, you get your drop and you get a bounce in the system. The dynamic rope had less peak forces on the subsequent bounces 
and it took less bounces in order to go back to a static type system. It would be interesting, and like I say, we ran out of time, but it would be interesting to actually start to see how much further we were getting in the drops with dynamic over static rope because it is definitely a softer hit. Obviously, it's dynamic rope. It takes up some of that force. But if that fall distance wasn't a concern, maybe there's some thoughts about looking at dynamic rope into this because it was certainly a softer subsequent hits. Um, once again, looking at the graph, we're back into pounds. I know we've been jumping back and forth between pounds and kilonewtons here. You know, the hit was the 558. And the second bounce was down into about the 475s. The third bounce down to about 450. And then she, she leveled right out. Remember that we're talking about a 440-pound force. So it did not take many bounces in order to get back to your neutral static there. So then we decided, okay, let's throw in the 11 mil KM3 static rope as opposed to the dynamic. We started, and once again, my apologies, with the pound force over the kilonewtons. We started with 156 pound force on the rope, 284 pound force on the winch line, so we were dropping 284 pounds. This is compared to the 265 pounds we dropped on the first one. The anchor Grigri saw about 2.87 kilonewtons as opposed to with the 11 mil where it saw 2.48 kilonewtons. However, we did start with about 20 pounds force more. However, we ended up with almost 100 pounds force greater into the anchor. Now, this would be something to ascertain whether that increase in the drop weight did cause that or if some of the force was taken up by the dynamic rope. Once again, when you do testing, it certainly leads you to further studies, and this is what this has done with us, is open our eyes to look at some further studies. The big issue with this is where the uh, force on the maximum rope took basically three bounces to settle, on the dyne, or sorry, on the dynamic rope, on the static rope, we took one, two, three, four, five, six bounces in order to settle that load down. And the bounces were much higher before you got down to your 440. We the first three bounces were above 500 foot pounds or pounds force. And so it was definitely a higher hit to the body more times than the dynamic rope. Like I said, that's a bit obvious. The dynamic rope definitely takes up more force. And once again, further testing is, did the dynamic eat up more of that initially because of the dynamic stretch? How much further is the package actually falling in this case? How much is that TTRS taking stretch out of that dynamic rope? All of these questions would be pretty interesting to go back into. And the next time I get a chance to go down and lounge on the beach in California, I'll be certainly heading back up to CMC to take a look at this. So then we decided, hey, let's go hit the nine and a half on the KM3 static. This is, you know, the size rope that we're using in our micro systems. A lot of people are using in their micro systems. And it was tested in the same manner. Basically dropped 259 pound force or pounds onto this. We had split it between 181 on the rope and 259 on the winch. And on the 9.5, it saw about 2.59 kilonewtons, 582 pounds of force. Like I said, you're seeing about two to two and a half times 
the weight that's being introduced or the jolt as Kirk Mothner kind of, you know, uh, came up with that um, with the PEP, uh, the NIF grant tests. So needless to say, we're not reinventing any wheels there, but it is proving the jolt force and the Grigri's are taking these 2.59 kilonewton hits without any problem. They're stopping the load and they're completely operational after the fact. The 9.5 graph looks almost identical to the 11 graph. The hits were a little bit smaller just because of the initial input, but it was about the same six number of bounces in that system before that um, weight stopped moving. So in regards to 11 versus the 9.5, the static rope acted the same in both. So then we decided, hey, you know what? We haven't broken anything. Besides the one Grigri ripped in half and threw across the room, we thought, hey, let's do a Belay-Comsey drop test with a Grigri. So we put a 2 kilonewton load on 11-millimeter KM3 static rope. And, you know, once again, the Grigri is not designed or intended for a belay of this size. And we figured, hey, let's do this 1-meter drop, a 3-meter rope in service, and see what we get. Peak forces on the anchor where the Grigri was anchored was 8.24 kilonewtons. It desheathed the rope. It tore it down to only four strands of rope remaining. So not only did it desheath it, it destroyed a bunch of the strands as well. It caught the load, but I'll say it caught the load with a big caveat there. The load didn't hit the ground. Let's just put it that way. Um, There was certainly some damage done to the rope. There was some damage done to the Grigri. On the bounce, it may have hit the deck. We don't know. And uh, it definitely caused damage to the entire thing. And that was just an interesting little byproduct we did just to have a bit of fun over it. Um, It was interesting, though, that with the Grigri on the 11, it definitely broke it before... It broke on the slow pull test. If you remember, the slow pull test was north of 11 kilonewtons. Here we were just north of 8 kilonewtons, and we ended up, you know, we didn't break the Grigri, but we definitely started damaging rope. Um, The load bounced on this one at 800 and 600 pound force, or 3.56 and 2.67 kilonewtons, respectively, before coming to rest. So not only did it see the 8 kilonewton hit, it saw a subsequent 3.5 and and then a a 2.5 basically kilonewton hit onto it, and it did bend the plate on the Grigri. So interesting there. The last test we did was the clove tension anchor. We saw this over in Europe where they're taking clove hitches and making tension lines out of them. Uh, When we build tension lines here in North America, we have a tendency of putting in a device that will slip so that it acts as a clutch or a safety for us where if we provide too much force into the center of that tension line, that device will slip, allow rope to bleed through the system, lowering the angle and therefore, you know, making it ultimately safer because we're not then applying those multiplication forces to our anchors, we're bleeding it out and not destroying the system. So what we did here is we tied our Euro-style clove hitches, that is back against itself, on two poles. 
um, and then tied butterflies in the middle. This is the way we've seen it for more austere rigging over in Europe. You've got your clove hitches on trees, and then you're putting in butterflies in the middle. In Europe, they're doing this on 11 mil rope, and they're using two strands of 11 mil and tying together. So you've got like double butterflies tied and double clove hitches because you're using both the rope. For here, we went with a single line on it just because we, you know, don't have that much strength in our anchors. We'll end up ripping out anchors over this. Um, the line was tensioned basically by hand on the clove with one person hauling on it. No slippage device was used. It was me tying these. I picked it up and, you know, used that two to one that kind of gets created as an advantage on your clove hitch, yarded it tight with by hand, and then, you know, sealed it off or cinched it off with the rest of that clove hitch there in order to do this test. We then had the butterflies in there. And we didn't go 100% scientific on this. Obviously, with one of the sides, we had to tie it to a um, carabiner as opposed to the anchor in order to put a load cell in there. And we didn't measure where we were putting the uh, butterflies in the line. We just decided we'd run this three or four times. We uh, did four pulls total, as I mentioned there. And we started shy. We pulled it with a load cell. So... On those two butterfly knots, we created as best we could because there is no true self-equalizing anchor per se, but we created a self-equalized anchor between those two butterfly knots. We pulled on it with a load cell on this tension line that was tied with clove hitches, tied back on themselves, Euro style if I can call it that. One tied to the beam, the other tied to a uh, large beaner that was into another load cell so that we knew what we were pulling and we knew what we were getting at the anchors. We limited the pull to around 750 to 800 pounds of force because, to be honest, we were worried about pulling out the posts. This looked like a fairly tight angle on here, definitely above a 120, and we were figuring we we're going to start seeing two, three, you know, possible times force onto these anchors as you generally do in these scenarios. We were quite shocked, though, with a 785 pounds of force or 3.49 kilonewton pull the anchors only saw 3.03 kilonewtons or 682 pounds of force. And we were like, huh, that's odd. So we did this four more times. And we kept them putting in an input force and we would get less on the anchor. Now, we were only measuring the one side. We would have had to put load cells onto both in order to measure both sides. But as we moved this around, we came to the conclusion that Yes, we're certainly getting some, you know, load sharing and some multiplication, but we were certainly under a 120 degree angle because at 120, we would theoretically get 785 or 3.49 kN on each anchor. And we weren't getting that. We were getting 3 kN on each anchor. And we generally hit it around the 3.5 kN pull every time. And we got generally 3 kN on the anchor all four times. And so then we started breaking out the protractors and we started doing a whole bunch of other things. And I think just the way the butterflies are being pulled, the way they slip, the amount of slippage that the clove hitch does allow, even tied back on itself, it loads up and it kept the angle under 120 degrees. Just the way with the multiple knots on the butterfly and the way that math works is when you're pulling on the butterflies, 
you almost, you know, this math thing, you almost need that dotted line to extend that angle out because you're not pulling at the point in the angle, actually, or the point on the line creating that angle. You're pulling slightly back on the legs of that triangle, if that makes sense to everybody. The point is actually somewhere out in space because you're pulling on both of those equally. So it certainly, though, came into under 120 degrees, which kind of surprised us, and it's definitely something we'd like to look at more. We're going to set up some more tests where we have load cells on both sides to see if we're getting equal pull on both sides. We're definitely going to extend that triangle a little bit and try to start figuring out with some protractors and things like this what that angle is actually slipping to and how far apart those butterflies need to be in order to ascertain how well of an angle that's creating. So that's coming up in the future. But what we did come out of this is Grigri's in a TTRS or twin tension rope system seem to be acceptable. For us, we're happy with the results. We'll keep using them in our system on the nine and a half and our micro systems. We also found the Grigri's do not seem to slip with 11 millimeter rope. Even on the belay competency drop test, and you look and you go, outside of destroying a Grigri, what was the point of that? We marked the rope on the test. That rope might have slipped one inch before it caught, desheathed, and ripped most of the sheath and most of the current out of that as well. So it doesn't seem to slip, and that goes back with our slow pull. There was no slippage there either. So the 11 mil being the top end of what a Grigri 2 can take, probably not wanting to play with that too much for us with you know those types of loads. In regards to aid devices or those austere anchors, it looks like we're going to need about five devices to make an anchor for a single person load. And, you know, that kind of goes into just doing the simple math backwards. Our two clove hitches, they seem interchangeable on regards to large objects. We're talking the four-inch bullard. Obviously, we start tying it around something smaller. We're going to get some different results. But right now, on those four-inch bullards, it's really statistically insignificant. And uh, anchoring on large objects with a clove hitch meets most of the rigging principles. That's another takeaway we took out of this. Everybody's always said, oh, you can't use a clove hitch for a life safety knot. It loses too much strength. You can't anchor with it. Well, on four-inch bullards, we're getting full strength of rope. It's, you know, we pulled it through that three or four times and we didn't get anywhere under basically the full strength of the rope or within 10% of that. And at that rate there, you know, the Europeans seem to have it dialed in where they're using these clove hitches as some of their anchor knots. And perhaps it's something we need to explore a little bit more here in Canada and North America in general. Well, thanks for listening to me drone on about breaking stuff. Hopefully you found that interesting and uh, we'll talk to you next time.